Good evening, guys. It is going to probably be a once a week pontification with everything that's going on these days. And there was no way that I could possibly watch President Zelensky's speech to Congress and not have something to say about it because it's just so absolutely absurd what he was doing. Uh, I mean, I, I feel really, really bad for the average American who really doesn't understand just how bad it was that he did this and how bad it was that Congress allowed it. Probably very similar in, in many ways to uh, Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan when she had no business going there and watching this speech tonight. It wasn't very long. It was probably about, this was probably like 20 minutes or something like that. But the message was very clear. The message that Zelensky delivered very, very clear. And the message was simply this. War is forever. We need the money to continue it. We don't care how many lives have to be sacrificed as a result of continuing this charade. The truth is, when it comes to warfare, most wars are won and lost before the first shots ever fired. There are many reasons as to how we ended up in this situation regarding Ukraine, you know, what Putin's motivation was. Again, we're all pontificating, if you will, as I'm doing right now, as to what the real motivation was to even have this war in the first place. But this much is clear. The longer this goes on, the more people are going to die. And not just a few, but the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, and eventually it'll be the millions because this war will go on forever. And so when we think about this omnibus bill, when we think about the military bill, the endless war budget is just that. It's endless. There will always be money for it. And we will just continue to print money like it doesn't matter, like it has no effect on inflation whatsoever. It's the one thing that I hope the MMT friends that we have understand and agree with is that you can't just print money for the sake of printing money. And when it comes to our government, when it comes to warfare, especially this war, there is no money, there is no check that they will not cash for that war. And the whole spectacle of Zelensky appearing before Congress, it felt very similar to when Bibi Netanyahu went in front of Congress in spite of the wishes of President Obama. I remember being very upset at that when that happened. And so now, you know, you look at this congressional get together that they have this evening. I don't know how many of you actually watched it or listened to the language. And yeah, there's a number of things that Zelensky obviously said. And, and I agree that, you know, there is something to be said for, a, you know, a president, if you will, standing up for his country and defending their right to exist. You know, that does matter. Those things do matter. And, you know, the people who are suffering are the Ukrainian people. You know, that that is more than anything else the, the biggest issue here, is that there are innocent people in a country that doesn't want this war, I'm sure, much like a lot of the people in Russia don't want this war, and yet the war continues and will continue for as long as possible. 
Agree, Lana. And please join on YouTube if you can. And I definitely agree. The term printing money uh, ha- has to be it has to be spliced very carefully because you have the austerity hawks that are out there who think that printing money at the federal level is any is is somehow the same as state and local money. It's not the same. What a term. But lo and behold, it really does make a big difference. And I, I really do think that Zelensky going before Congress is only going to make this worse. It's going to piss off Putin, obviously. It's going to piss off the GOP because this is all this is completely political now. Uh, you know, his 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 speech talking about how it will be a glorious new year. It will be uh, a Merry Christmas. Uh a, a happy victory New Year, as he put it. What he said in the speech was victory at all costs. Victory at all costs. And you take with that what you want. What does victory at all costs look like? Does that mean hundreds of thousands of more people have to die as a result? Does that mean that dropping a nuclear weapon is necessary in order to win the war? When you say the words, win, when you say the words, win at all costs, we must win no matter what. Well, what do you think that means? What that means to me is there's no line that can't be crossed. And they're willing to go all the way. And it isn't so much about, you know, necessarily what Zelensky wants, it's what you know, the West wants, it's what the United States wants. And what the United States wants is control of Ukraine as part of NATO. Russia obviously doesn't want that. And clearly Putin's motivation, as I believe is the United States motivation, has little, if anything, to do with control of Ukraine in terms of its borders. That may be possible, but it still stands to reason that in Western Ukraine, there are trillions and trillions of dollars in natural resources, whether for energy, agriculture, it's all there. And it's worth a lot of money and a lot of power. And the three global superpowers want to run it, the United States, Russia, and China. So who gets control? And right now, it's a proxy. It's a proxy for the control of Ukraine. And that's what this is about. So when Zelensky gets up there and talks about, we must save Ukraine. Well, I got news for you. The only way you're going to save Ukraine is as soon as you get to the negotiating table. The faster you get to the negotiating table with Putin is the faster this this war will end. That's it. That's how this is going to end. You think spending billions upon billions of more dollars, you think sending in countless and countless more troops, and now you have NATO involved. Do you really think that this is going to end well? This is endless war all over again. We are not that far away from this war being a year old. There were people who thought this would be over in a few weeks, if that This war is not ending anytime soon. And after what happened tonight, you could pet your ass. It could at least go another year, maybe more.
And how many people have to suffer as a result? How many people have to die for the war machine? In the United States, nobody really seems to care because our people are not dying. The Ukrainians are dying and the Russians are dying. And maybe a few in between in different countries surrounding Eastern Europe. Maybe. But for us, what the hell do we care? Give them the money. Give them the weapons. If it's good for us politically, we'll definitely back it. Let me tell you something else. It is so unbelievable watching Congress. Every single time Zelensky said anything. Pelosi looked like she was sitting on a spring. The second Zelensky stopped talking, what? Let me stand up and cheer. That's how fast it was. People are going to get tired of this. And they should be. You're crossing the $100 billion mark already in aid. We all know. Uh, and that's true, David. And David, if you could join us on YouTube, that would be awesome. Uh, no, why, why would anybody want this war to end if it's if the U.S. government is going to continue through the Federal Reserve to print billions and billions of dollars for the war effort. Why would you ever want it to end? And to think, and to think with the amount of money that we have already given Ukraine, that President Zelensky felt the need to come to Congress and ask for even more money. We can't get anything in this country. And now you've got this omnibus bill, this $1.7 trillion bill that is 4,200 pages long. You know, the Democrats are notorious for shoving these bills through our down our throats that are so long and so difficult to understand. I want to know who's reading 42 pages, 4,200 pages of legislation for a bill that they are literally trying to fast track through Congress before the GOP takes over in two weeks. This is not good politics. Nina Turner, friend of the show, came out today on her show on Boston, talked about the fact that this is a very shady bill. And why wouldn't it be? Talk about unaccounted money. You know, when we think about the need to constantly cheerlead for one side and think, you know, this is about what's good for our side and, you know, how is this going to help us politically? Why don't you think about how it's going to help the country? Because it isn't. You know, we put out a very, uh, a very good post earlier today that's made the rounds, which is great. Uh, this is a class war. And the class war is constituted across a multitude of different lines, but the most obvious ones are big tech, big agriculture, big pharma, and big oil. And of course, they're all interconnected with the military industrial complex, but they control our government. And when I see conservatives in particular constantly talking about how our government is corrupt, yeah, they're right. It is corrupt, but not the way they are implying. The government is corrupt because corporate special interests have bought our government. And that is what governs us, our elected officials that are the government. They're bought and they answer to corporate special interests, specifically big pharma, big agriculture, big oil, big tech, 
and the military-industrial complex, which oversees everything. That's what runs our country. And right now, we have no say-so whatsoever in any of this. This big racket, that is not going to end anytime soon. My goodness. Having Zelensky come and speak at Congress after he was already earmarked tens of billions of more dollars for the war effort? I don't know what what were you ho- what was the point? What does he think he's going to accomplish? You think he's going to all of a sudden change the trajectory of the direction that the, the the American people feel regarding endless war? I never hear anybody, and I mean anybody, ever say, "What's it going to take to end this thing? What's it going to take to get Putin to the negotiating table so that bloodshed can cease?" What is it going to take for Ukraine to save face, for Putin to save face? What is it going to take for that to happen? Not let's get in the trenches. Let's continue to kill people left and right forever and ever and ever. It's easy for people in this country to say, I'm okay with this. When it's not your kid that's going out there to fight this thing over God knows what at this point. And I don't want to hear nothing about the dumb bass or the or the Azov Battalion, and oh my God, we're funding the, the Nazis in this. Who gives a shit? The bottom line is, this is endless war, and it's never going to end. And the money is always there for war. Always. There is never a time where there is not money for war. And this is the best kind of war. This is the easiest war to throw money at because it doesn't involve American troops. So the American people, in their haste, will look at this and say, oh yeah, totally. Stand with Ukraine, Slava Ukraine. Most people would never be able to identify or understand what the motivation is from either side at this point. The only people I feel bad for are the Ukrainian people who have no say in this whatsoever. They are going to go along with whatever NATO wants, whatever the Western powers want, specifically us. But that's it. The bloodshed will be on their hands and they can't do anything about it. And think about this, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, think about where we've been over the past two decades. Think about, you know, what it was like when I was in college and listening, listening to people at my age in my classroom saying, we have to go into Iraq to give the people their freedom. And here I am, not even, I'm, I'm in my teens, and I'm looking at this and thinking, you can't all be this stupid. You can't all not see the scam that's being run on you right now. Like, you honestly can't see it. Think about how many terror cells were born out of that. Well, think about how many terror cells are going to get born out of it in Ukraine. Think about how many people who are so unbelievably uh just completely out of sight, out of mind regarding what's going on in Ukraine right now and thinking, you know, when you have to dodge bombs every day, you think that's not going to upset people to the point where they're going to potentially want to seek revenge at some point in their life? The longer this goes on, the more people will be inspired to take action in a very dangerous and volatile and violent way. 
Maybe it inspires somebody to ultimately figure out a way to attack the United States again. And then the whole cycle repeats itself. This could easily be avoided. This could easily end. But we don't want it to end. Well, let me rephrase. The powers that be don't want this to end. As Paul says, they're all oligarchs. Why would you want it to end? The money's too good. And what's even more amazing is that it's really not that difficult to buy off people. You would think that it would take a lot of money to corrupt people on Capitol Hill or just in politics in general. It doesn't really cost that much. Man, they're getting off cheap. Let me tell you, the amount of money that people walk away from, especially defense contractors, especially weapons manufacturers, pharmaceutical giants, tech gurus, it's too much money for them. You know, come on, you, you know what you guys need? You guys need like an agent, an agent to negotiate terms. All right, you want to you want to bribe me for, for this particular thing? It's going to cost you more than you think you're normally getting. You want 10,000? I want 10 million. Give me $10 million and I'll vote for your bill. Hey, if we're getting rich, we might as well get rich equally. But man, so many of our elected representatives are cheap. They are really cheap and easy to buy. I always worry in particular about representatives that have no actual skills in the private sector or as a uh, career uh, in, in any capacity, uh, whether it is their ability to work with their hands, somebody who's a welder, electrician, doctor. Uh, the scariest thing in politics are people that are career politicians, people that basically decide I'm going to be a bureaucrat for my entire career. Those are the most dangerous people. And yes, they tend to be more on the Democratic side. But it's bad anyway, no matter how many ways you slice it. We have a serious problem in this country with our elected representatives. But ultimately, ultimately, it comes down to one clear variable. We can get on our elected officials, and rightfully so, and they deserve a hell of a lot of heat. My congressional representative, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, being one of the worst. But in the end of the day, we have corporate special interests of the highest order in a country that has been heading in this direction for probably 40 years. It's getting worse by the day. And it's not, there is no end in sight. And so what do we have? We have a class war and we have to unite around class war issues, living wage, universal health care, clean energy grid, ending the endless wars and criminal justice reform. That's my top five. I believe that's Jen's top five. And overwhelmingly, people agree on these particular issues. If we can unite on those core issues, we can take the country in the direction it needs to go. It's the ruling class against the working class. That's what it is. And no, Rob, I love you, brother, but Donald Trump ain't saving our ass. It's not going to take some grand leader that's going to solve this problem. Not happening. And obviously, Joe Biden is the ultimate status quo president. For people that are not struggling, for people that have a decent life, maybe even a very comfortable life in that range. Yeah, they're very, they're very content with Joe Biden. But after what Joe did to the railroad workers. Sure, Lana, that would be great. 
Corruption is the key. We can print money for war. We can print money for healthcare. We can print money to build a clean energy grid. We can stop giving subsidies to these major corporations. They don't even need them. They just want them. The biggest reason that these multinational corporations want these ridiculous subsidies is because they're trying to kill the competition. This isn't real free market capitalism. This is oligarchy. And everyone has to admit that. And the only way you're going to end it, the only way you're pulling this back from where we are right now, no, it's not we're going to rewrite capitalism. It's that you need to add socialism into this country, Re- legitimate socialism. And I ain't talking about socialism for the rich. I'm talking about socialism for the working class, the way it was from the day of FDR to the days of JFK. Upward mobility was possible in this country. It ain't now. You think you can own a house? Good luck, unless you're raking in the dough. And I'm in real estate. And I am very objective and honest with every person I deal with. It's a, it's a game. And it's a game that working people are losing every day. And you get bogged down in the type of senseless, non nonsensical crap that I see on social media every day. We should be talking about labor every day. That's the key. The future is labor. I've been saying it for as long as any of you guys that have been following our channel that are aware of what we talk about. Thank you, JT. Appreciate you being here, brother. It's always been labor. And it always will be. That's why people get so scared when we talk about it. That's why they fight so hard to crush it. President Biden laid down the most anti-labor legislation since Reagan fired the air traffic controllers in 1981, which was the beginning of all of this shit. If anyone ever has anything positive to say about our president, I will bring this up every time because it's everything. People are like, well, it's just one piece of legislation. No, it's everything for labor. You think right-to-work laws matter now? They don't mean anything after what Joe Biden did. And people are like, well, it's the GOP who voted for it. He asked for a bill specifically to prevent workers from striking because, God forbid, they don't get their fucking Christmas presents. I'm so goddamn tired of people not seeing the truth. And that's the hardest reality of politics, is that people are tribal. Do you know that the founder of Occupy Democrats, somebody that one of the absolute best senators we have now that's about to take office, John Fetterman, who called them out for the fraudulent organization that they are, Occupy Democrats, uh, I believe his name is Juan Rivero, I think is his name. Do you know that he founded another social media company? Do you know what it's called? Tribal social. As if tribalism wasn't a big enough problem for us to deal with in the political arena, let's name it exactly what we want it to be, which is let's be tribal about it. Because that's what gets people to sit down and shut up and just do what our side says. Because the other side supposedly is so much worse. The truth is the people at the top are really shitty and the people that are working class are really struggling and really suffering. 
and we need to get together on that. You would be absolutely surprised how many people have differing opinions when it comes to who they vote for, social issues. You know, we have this idea in our head. You know, we really do. That in the United States, we are socially liberal and fiscally conservative. Actually, it's the complete opposite. We are socially conservative and economically liberal. That is what we are. Because if you ask anybody across the board on the majority of issues, you ask anybody that have issues when it comes with the word progressive that either voted for Bernie are more middle of the road, maybe even libertarian left. They associate us with woke culture. But the second it turns into workers should have a living wage and universal health care, that we need a clean energy grid to get off of coal and natural gas, that we should end the for-profit prison industry, and that cannabis and all recreational drugs should at least be decriminalized, if not legalized, and that we must end endless war. Everybody agrees with this. But no, let's let's put vulnerable people in the center of our political discussion and make them political pawns and let's divide and conquer our country and talk about that shit from now until the end of time. Talk about wasting energy. And if there's one thing I will tell you, my New Year's resolution for 2023, if you are not on the path of economic populism from the left, I don't want to I don't want to know you. I don't want to talk to you because it is wasting time. And we don't have time to waste. We need to get our fucking acts together and we need to get it together now. And I am really pissed off because of what Zelensky just did on the hall, on the floor of Congress. That more than any other reason right now is my motivation, motivating factor. I thought. Yeah, they were just they're just suggesting that he's going to come. No, he really did. He really went to the floor of Congress to basically say war is forever. That's what he said. He said, Ukraine must win. Russia must be defeated at all costs. What does that mean? That means it's on for however long it has to be on. Six months, six years, who gives a shit? A trillion dollars for Ukraine? Might as well print it now because eventually that's what's going to get over there because this ain't ending. You want health care? You want to live in, with dignity? You don't want to just be scrapping by? Fuck off! You're not worth shit. That's what they're telling you. You're not worth anything. You will have nothing and you'll like it. My God, we are in a very, very dangerous place right now as a country. We really are. I often wonder all the time how it's not worse, how it's not really bad right now. I really do wonder, how is it not bad right now? Like everyone is out and about kind of like living in a in a daze, like not recognizing this. We have a lot more power than we believe. We always have. 
We get way too distracted by pointless, senseless nonsense in the political arena, which is amplified at an unbelievable level by big tech. They're an arm of the U.S. government now more than ever. You want to call it the deep state? Call it the deep state. That's fine. But that's who's controlling it. You know, we don't have to have monopolies in this country, but monopolies are permitted as long as it's serving the U.S. empire's interests. And right now, they are serving them and serving them very, very well. Carrie's right. Stop looking at the squirrel, or as I like to say, stop looking at the red dot on the wall that the cat's chasing because you're never going to get it. That's what Trump was for four years. We're going to get that dot that's on the wall. Who gives a rat's ass if you get Trump? Who cares? You know what I care more about? I care more about that Elon Musk was just at the World Cup final with Jared Kushner in his goddamn luxury box, meeting with the Qatari royal family. That's a problem. Do I think Hunter Biden did nefarious things? Yes, absolutely. Do I think he's going down? Not a chance. Because this just this is just a cycle that's just going to continue. One side's going to wonder why that side's not prosecuting, and they're not doing this, and they're not doing that. We have to get focused. And the second we do, that's when it's over for them. And they know that. The powers that be know that. And there are people that are genuinely interested in uniting around the issues that really matter. The second people start talking about the slim, minutia things that are going to divide us and knock us off our tracks, yeah, things matter. I think that parents have a right to have a say in what they think is appropriate for their children at a certain age. And if they're not comfortable with something, that's fine. But that's what's dominating the stories is the things that we have very little control over, especially collectively. We have no control over that. Just like the congressional representative in Missouri's fourth district that went to the floor of Congress the other day crying because she doesn't want people to be able to get married that are not a man and a woman. Lady, go to hell. Seriously, go to hell. It's not your effing business what people do in their private life. And if parents want what's best for their children, if they think that there are certain uh, objective uh, uh, circumstances in terms of what they're seeing. Remember, a lot of the things that go on in society today, one of the biggest reasons why it's become such a big problem is because social media ramps it up to a 15, not a one to a five or a five to a 10. This goes past the needle. The goal is to make people absolutely insane. The news is not there to make you feel good. The news is there to scare you to death and to fear your neighbor and to hate people that are different.
That's what it's all about because that divides and it works. You think they would do it if it didn't work? They do it because it works. Separation of church and state. Keep it that way and do not, under any circumstances, do anything else. We've got 33 people watching. Guys, smash that like button. Make sure you are subscribed. Kind words are welcome. Commenting in the chat definitely helps the algorithm as well. You guys are doing great. Love you all. Metaopoly, Carrie, Red Eyes, Deborah, Barbara, Paul, of course, Lana, my MMT buddy, Rob. You guys are great. And I'm grateful that you're all here. If you're not currently supporting or don't know of people that are in a local union or a group, make sure that you know who they are because they need our help now more than ever. I won't say who, but I spoke with one of the leaders from the railroad workers strike from the other day. I'm not going to say what they're going to do, but I can assure you, I will say this much about the railroad workers. They have had enough. And they have had enough of President Biden. What does that mean for 2024? I don't know. Because right now, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I don't know what the hell's coming down the pike. I just know that labor is suffering mightily, but we still have the numbers overwhelmingly. Labor could shut down this country at any minute if they really wanted to. And little by little, we're having these big wins that are happening. You know, they, they, they call them small wins, but in reality, they're big wins because labor is becoming inspired for the first time in a long time. Maybe as it turns out, the firing of the railroad workers was one of the biggest mistakes that any president could have ever made. Or maybe, just maybe, it was only something that a Democratic president could have possibly gotten away with. But you know what? Enough people are now starting to wake up to it. Yes, Jesus, cops do have a union with collective immunity. They shouldn't have you know, and, and, it's, and it's qualified immunity. They should not have that. That's one of the ways that you can take the power away uh, from a union that isn't serving the people. You see, the thing you have to remember, and this is very important, very, very important for those of you who are watching, there is a significant difference between labor and unions. The best unions are the unions that are run by the rank and file, who have the final say on how a union is run. The union boss and a rank and file union adheres to the will of the people. But there are a lot of unions where it doesn't operate that way, where it is a top-down approach. The union bosses, delegates, the board, if you will, they decide for the workers, the workers be damned if they don't agree. That's not the type of labor I'm supporting and neither should you. The best way to know the difference the 2016 election taught you everything you needed to know about unions, which were good and which were not. The unions that had the rank and file vote for endorsement voted for Bernie Sanders every time, every single time. The unions that were controlled at the top voted for Hillary every single time. 
That's all you need to know. A, per, a, 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 a potential presidential candidate who was representing working people and the other who was representing the donor ruling class. Couldn't have been more distinct. And people were in an, out, uh, in an uproar about it. And Metaopoly, those are two unions where it is the very top that make the decisions for the working people within those unions. That's not a good union. Deborah, worker co-ops are an excellent idea, and they seem to be popping up all over the place. If you want to know how we stop this, how we save ourselves, it's labor. It always has been, it always will be. Our greatest commander-in-chiefs throughout our history have all benefited as a result of labor having their back. Remember, Lincoln was not able to get what he wanted until he was able to convince the working people, and yes, the enslaved working people, that it was time to rise up. And they did. Teddy Roosevelt, my personal favorite president, he convinced within, and this is what makes Teddy even more amazing, you know, President McKinley in many ways was President Biden in terms of how he governed. Teddy Roosevelt gets in there and in less than six months of him taking over, he had to deal with the railroad worker strike. And whose side do you think Teddy Roosevelt was on? He was on the side of the workers. At a time in history where workers had very few benefits. But Teddy, he, you know, look, there's a lot of things you could say about Teddy Roosevelt, good and bad. But when it came to labor and it came to the environment, there is no equal. He's the best we've had. And you can learn a lot from what he did. The bull moose really put the country in the right direction, and he gave labor the most significant victory it ever had. FDR said, make me do it, and they did. Labor rose up and said, we need social security. We need an eight-hour workday. We need child labor laws. And they got it. Kennedy was extremely inspirational. He tried his damn best to get it done before he was taken out. Some of the greatest policies this country's ever passed was passed under Eisenhower. There were things that even Nixon did that were good. And even though I think LBJ is one of the worst presidents we've ever had, there were things that he did too that were of benefit. But once Reagan got there, it's been hell ever since. And the funny thing is, is that if you measure Reagan up against the presidents that succeeded him, he's not even that bad. He just, he started the trend. And it's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And now we look at war like, what the hell? 
We know it's bad. We know that endless war is absolutely terrible and it has to end. But there's a lot of defeatism that's going on in society today. That's the problem. People have identified the problem, but they don't know how to fight back. They have given up on this idea that we can solve our problems through electoral politics. And guess what? They're right. Electing a non-corporate representative against a corporate representative is going to help locally. But is it going to help on Capitol Hill? No. The system is broken. But the more you get people in that are of the mission for what needs to be done and are not there for a career, however few there may be, you work with them. But the key is labor on the outside. That's the key. The key is the labor movement. And we have people in the chat that are from all walks of the political spectrum. And you know what I notice, guys? People agree. And that's all you need to know. Don't worry about it being some type of schism where you've got to, is it this thing? Is it that thing? We got to do this. We got to do that. No, you don't. You have to be laser focused on what you want. You want working people to be able to live in dignity and have an actual government of, by, and for the people. It's only going to happen if labor unites. That's it. That's our last hope. And we will be discussing that on Friday. We will have a wonderful trio panel. It's going to be great. It's going to be really incredible, really tremendous. You're going to love it. 6 p.m., 7 p.m., and 8 p.m. We'll have three panels. You guys are not going to want to miss this. We're going to talk about the labor and the needs of the American people and what needs to be done in order to get where the American people want to go. And that's what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. If you guys are not currently subscribed, make sure you do subscribe. If you are not currently a patron, please go to patreon.com forward slash generational change. For as little as $5 a month, you could be a very important contributor to our wonderful show. If you are feeling a little extra generous and you would be willing to go for 10 bucks a month, here is the Lulu sticker and Mansion Parliamentarian 2024. Consider it a late holiday gift. And then if you're really feeling generous and you're willing to go for the real home run and do $25 a month, well, look at what I've got here. It just so happens to be the Tri-Blend t-shirt. It's really, really great. Really great. Really feels great on your body. It's really incredible. I wear them all the time. They feel tremendous. So yes, you're definitely going to want this bad boy. It really is awesome. And then, of course, if you really do not feel comfortable with giving your credit card information on the regular through Patreon, make sure that you go to Cash App because there, at least you can just drop in a few bucks and feel better about it knowing that it's a one-time deal. That one-time deal goes directly to us. And it really helps out. So I'm going to close tonight with an option from the audience. You can either hear from Trump, Bernie, or Clinton. Make your pick and make it quick. This has gone longer than I thought it would, but I guess I just had a lot to say. 
I hope you enjoyed it. Seems that we had a pretty decent crowd here this evening. And yes, Rob, Festivus is Friday, so I expect you to be there or you are certainly going to be square. Three to one for Bernie. Who else? That's four to one for Bernie. Uh, Bernie's running away with this, I think. Are we running away with it, Bernie? That's six. Sorry, Rob. Your Trump's not making it tonight. Although I suppose it could have been bots that were voting for Bernie. So I guess Trump really won, right? Just wanted to come on here and to let each and every one of you know that the more we stand together and we fight on the lines of labor, good things are going to happen for this country. I know a lot of people are feeling down right now, but do not despair. Continue to unite as one American people. We need a living wage. We need universal health care. Medicare for all through a single payer system. We need a clean energy grid to stand up to the fossil fuel industry. We need to end these senseless, endless wars. And we need real criminal justice reform here in the United States. If I have inspired you, continue to listen to Generational Change. It's a really good podcast to do a good job. I am currently celebrating the holidays it is Hanukkah for me. It is Christmas for Jane. So a merry, happy Hanukkah, New Year, Christmas, all those wonderful things. And make sure that you're here on Friday for the Festivus. I hear it's a really wonderful event. Apparently, uh, there's this um, there's this magical pole that they use. It's got some magical powers. I'm not entirely sure. But, you know, on Seinfeld, it was very popular. So make sure you tune in on Friday for the Festivus question. It's going to be wonderful. So make sure if you're not currently joined in a current union or a labor organization, make sure you are supporting a local effort because there is somebody in your community who desperately needs your help. We are fighting the oligarchy that has taken over our country. And the working people of America need to stand together. And that is how we're going to make the real change here in America. Thank you so much. So there you go. Metopoly, watch yourself. Bernie ain't perfect, but he certainly woke up a lot of us. I think that's all you really need to know is who they prefer. So with that said, I am extremely grateful for everybody who joined us this evening. If you haven't currently smashed that like button and made sure you're subscribed, I certainly hope you will. It'll make me very happy. It'll make us all happy because it's helping our channel. We need to grow and grow faster. And for those of you who are able to attend on Friday for our Festivus, remember it starts at 6 p.m. on Friday. I think I may have a slide for that. 
Let me check. I think we do. Oh, no, maybe I'm wrong. All right, so I am wrong. But anyway, the Festivus for the rest of us will take place on Friday at 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. We are going to have a wonderful panel of guests. All right, what the hell? You guys are here. Uh, Jordan Charriton, Steve Grumbine, Osiris from uh, Stuck in the Middle, Ron Placone, Margaret Kimberly, Harvey K. Max Alvarez, and maybe some other special guests, big ones. See you Friday. Stay safe. Love you all. Good night. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.